0: You're here uh, for the pre-launch for what we're going to do the first part of January. And uh, it's called 21 Days of Prayer. It will start next Sunday. And today I wanna to talk with you <clears throat> about how do you prepare for that. And so you're kinda of getting us jump up on people who are just now coming back or who are just now waking up going, is it Sunday, really? Uh, we have to get dressed and get there. Yeah, it is Sunday. And so um, you're gonna get the, kind of the preparation piece today. and. I'm delighted that you're here. So, before I talk about prayer, let's let's pray. Uh, Lord, you give us joy down deep in our soul, and oh uh, boy, we just we sing that, but those aren't just fluffy words to us. That's meaningful stuff, because uh, we thought we knew, we thought we had it figured out, and when we had exhausted all of what was inside of us, we realized we needed help that we we could not get in of ourselves and so we turned to your dear son who then became our savior and then became our friend and uh, we are always going to be grateful for Christ we will always celebrate um, his coming to earth and and not only the salvation that he provides but the model of life and a greater perspective and living with heaven as our home instead of earth and and uh, learning to forgive even when we have not been asked of forgiveness. And, and to endure whatever it is that we endure in life because we know that there is a perfect one who endured it all and did it all without sin. And so uh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. And so now as we, as we uh, open up the scriptures, may they be a lamp to our feet. May they be a light to our path. Guide us, we pray, into all truth. And um, may we be people who um, talk with you in prayer and listen in meditation as we hear the word of God and meditate on it, and then hear you again speak to us because the word is living, it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So we know your word still speaks, so may we have an ongoing conversation, we pray. Uh, Thank you for what you will do, in Jesus' name, and all God's people would say Amen. Amen. So I'm in James chapter 4 and 5. We're going to start in 5 and then back up to 4. So if you have a Bible or New Testament, go with me there. James chapter 5. And just to give you a little context, James is a book, a uh, New Testament book, written uh, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And they're probably Jewish Christians, first century Jewish Christians who trust, trusted Christ still carry a fair amount of their Jewish heritage with them. And so he talks about favoritism because it's just a thing that they're going to have as the church goes worldwide. He's going to talk about caring for widows and, and uh, orphans and, and uh, the watching your tongue and your mouth and that sort of thing. And then he's going to say, uh, are any of you in trouble? Are any of you sick? You need to talk to God. Let's pick it up. James chapter 5, verse 13 now. Is anyone among you in, in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Stop there. Uh, any of you in trouble, you can talk to God about it. I'm in trouble, God. It's okay to do that. Any of you happy, you can sing. Sing praises to God. How many of you get up in the morning singing? How many of you are married to someone who gets up in the morning singing and you hate it? Yeah, yes. I wanna say, sing, yeah. Somewhere else, you've had that, like, if I'm singing and I want everybody else to say, hey, yeah, it's a great, you know, I'm the, next thing I know, I'm pushed into the garage. You, know, you wanna sing, that's okay. Do that in your own space. But I don't like it when people do it to my space either, right? So they're saying, you're sad, you're in trouble, conflicted, in trouble, pray. You're happy, it's okay to sing praise to God. Is anyone among you sick? Verse 14, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, stop there. Anyone sick, call for the elders of the church. Here's Here's what you have to know is this, Believing in Jesus Christ is a very personal decision, but following the Lord is something that we do together. That gathering of what we do together is called the church. You do not live the Christian life alone. You live it in a cluster, and that teamwork actually encourages you to follow the Lord. So people who are sick need to pray to the Lord. That's important, but they need elders around them, and you need godly elders who will pray over you and will anoint you with oil, and that anointing with oil I think is no different than what we have is rubbing oils today. I think there were medicines of the day. There was a lot during Roman Empire days when James was written, it, there were a lot of witchcraft and a lot of things happening with, uh, with medicines. And so the elders of the church actually would say, okay, we'll give you the rub down, sorry, but mentholatum, Vicks vapor, rub, some kind of rub like that. That would be the medicine of the day. We will anoint you with the oil, we'll pray over you. And, but understand this, if you get better, don't trust the medicine don't and it's not that you don't use the doctor you do use the doctor and and we applaud the use of good medical care in fact we applaud the use of good healthy practices that way you don't need the medical doctor as often see so just do that and then as you do that go back to the text now let him call for the elders of the church that's the collective faith and they'll anoint him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well get that the prayer offered, not the medicine, the prayer offered. Why is that? I've had people take medicine and not get better. Sometimes they get better. Sometimes they get worse, right? But it, and I've had people say, you know what? If I'm healed from this terminal illness, it will be the Lord. And we know that ahead of time. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So whatever happens, it is of the, I will take this with the Lord. And so you may have a child who's dying right now. You're saying, I'll never dance with her, my baby. And you know what? You will, but it may be in heaven. It may be on earth, but it'll clearly be in heaven. The issue is that you trust the Lord, follow the Lord, and, and as you do that, you recognize if, if I'm gonna have hope in this, it's only be, gonna be because of a great God who's in heaven. The prayer of faith heals the person, the Lord will raise them up, and if they sin, they'll be forgiven. I find it interesting, they tie together sin to wellness, and, and what is going on here? Well, what happens is this. When you get so desperate you know, if you ever had a child who has 103 fever in the night? Don't raise your hand, but you just go, Oh, God, help me. You ever been that desperate? You know what I'm talking about. Then you pray, and then you say, We're not messing, Lord. I mean, I'll mess with you all day about me, but I'm not going to mess with you about my baby or my, my toddler, my little child. No, we go to the Lord in prayer, and, the, and we confess our sins because we're so desperate and we're forgiven therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other what does that do that humbles us it, it, it helps us see we're not alone in this thing and you'll be healed the prayer of the righteous person we have this verse memorized is powerful it's effective so when we pray around here and by the way we are a praying church it's not uncommon for me after a service to walk into a cluster of people and go, hey how are we doing oh my gosh they're praying whoops and i will say you can come in and pray it's okay and i'll pray with them Um, A few weeks ago, I was uh, meeting someone after one of the services, and we were having a great time. And then they said, "Oh, by the way, for you, uh, don't forget. Would you tell the staff to pray?" And they tell me the name, and she has this. And I I said, "Great." And and the people who were attending it was one of those Christmas events, and so half the people in the circle they only come here at Christmas. This is it for them. This is this is their once in every 52. Boom, got it. Check it off. And and so we're, we're standing, and they said, "Could you?" pray for so-and-so. I said you know what I'll tell I'll get it on our prayer list cuz we have people that pray during the week I thought well why not I said well let's just do it now and they went whoa we didn't we didn't mean it quite like that so I just bowed my head and started praying but I could feel that they're still looking at me I'm still going to pray you got to help them and help them find Jesus help them not to worry we'd love for the doctors to give the doctors wisdom I oftentimes pray that. Give the doctors wisdom. Because that's why they, they're listening. You know, if you go to the doctor, you know, most of the time they're, they're just asking good questions, you know. And so give the doctors wisdom, his nursing staff wisdom. And God, we sure love to see this person healed and we'd love to see them live a long life so they could train their kids well. We don't want them to just live happily ever after. I want them to live for a godly life. So I, that's what I'll pray for. But we do that all the time. We'll pray after, after the side uh, and we pray when my mic works and when it doesn't. We, we just pray all the time. So I won't go over there anymore. Um, but that prayer is not our last resort around here. It is oftentimes our first response. I see it in the lobby. People will pray. I, I'll walk down the hall during the week, and I'll hear one of our staff members is on the phone with one of you praying. It's not uncommon for that to happen. We just develop the conversation with the Almighty. That's the thing. And you want to practice the habit of praying and practice the presence. And you want your heart, as Wesley would say, be, to be strangely warmed that my life has somehow changed. So here's the challenge. I want to give it some context because you may need this. The context goes like this. God sent Jesus to save us. That's what Jesus means, Jehovah saves. God sent Jesus to save us. But what God wants is, after that salvation, what he wants is relationship, because we call him our Father, and that's the relationship piece. He wants to talk with his kids. He wants to hear from his kids. And so prayer is communicating with God. It is all about relationship. I'm reminded of the story of the guy who was middle-aged, and he called his elderly mother, and he calls her, and she's in her 80s, and she sounds real frail, and. And uh, sounds really, you know, just really weak. And he says, mother, what's wrong with you? She says, well, I'm fine, don't worry about me. And, you know, it's a typical thing that uh, ancient people say, you know. And, and uh, the guy says, well, have you eaten? And she says, well, no, not really. Well, how long's it been since you've eaten? Uh, I've been 32 days. Well, why has it been 32 days since you've not eaten? Because I didn't want my mouth to be full should my son call me. Okay. Any of you have a mom like that? (laughs) Yes. Oh Lord help me. Now you know how to pray for me. See, when you trusted Christ as personal savior, what, what Jesus does is not only does he save you, but now the Father says, I want relationship with you. I want to talk. I want to hear from you, and I have more to tell you. I've printed it in your in the word but we'll have an ongoing relationship. It is crazy, just think of the logic for a moment, that God would reach down from heaven to earth to give us his one and only son and then never to talk to us again. That's crazy to even think that. Or that we would receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and then never talk to the one who saved us ever again. You see, it should be a lifelong love talk every day, maybe every hour of the day. And for many of us, it's just not that way. And the reason it's not that way is because we are overwhelmed by that. We don't talk a bunch with God. We don't, we don't pray a bunch. I'll just be honest with you. I don't think we pray as, as much. I would love for us to pray even more. That's why we're talking about 21 days of prayer, and I'm gonna give you a 3 challenge here in just a minute. But let me tell you, even the religious group, even ministers are not helping, because there are those who pray with grand alliteration. You've been around those people? I mean, they're just verbally strong. Then there's people who uh, they're articulate and they're passionate and they just pray for 20 minutes without breathing in. Have you ever been around that person? You know, I can't match that prayer. I'm backing away from that. The, my, my all-time favorite prayer is the, the person who talks like this, like normal, but then when they bow their head, they start to speak in King James English. Where did that come from? I could never do that. And so you don't pray out loud. Why? Because you can't say it like that. It just doesn't come out right. So what I want to do this morning is I, I don't want to challenge you to swim the Olympics. What I want you to do is I want you just to get your foot in to the shallow end of the pool. I just want you to, and we're calling it the five three one challenge. Here it is. Five symbolizes five minutes of prayer every day for 21 straight days. Not an hour of prayer every day, five minutes. That's all we're looking for here. Okay, five minutes of prayer every day for 21 days. And this is going to start next Sunday, by the way. This is why you're, you're in the prep weekend, okay? So you're, you're a jump ahead of the rest. That, that Number two is that we would have three days of hourly prayer, and I'll explain that, and we'll talk about that during the series. Three days where you, you pick just three days out of your 21 where you're going to pray, and you may set your watch. Every hour at the top of the hour, you're going to just say a sentence prayer. God, thank you that you go through this with me. Thank you for your presence Help me in this setting, please. Lord, may I be Christ to these dear people, or may I be just aware that you walk with me. Never will you leave me, never will you forsake me. So once an hour, you say just a one sentence prayer, and what are you doing there? In the first one, you're getting the habit of praying. In the second one, you're practicing the presence of praying. And the third one, by fasting and prayer, that's where you're asking God for, for down deep heart change you're gonna give up something maybe for the 21 days or maybe for one day within the 21 days, you're gonna give up something and when you give that something up, it is to consecrate yourself before the Lord to say, Lord, I am yours and, and I'm giving this up. For some of us, it's gonna be a food item. Oftentimes in the scripture, it was food. It was a particular kind of food. Some of you have, um, you say, okay, uh, during 21 days, no processed sugar, I'm, just, I'm only gonna eat uh, clean, that'd be good. Um, I didn't get many amens for that, but that's okay, I'll plow through. Uh, Some of you give up soda, just all purchase soda. In fact, I know some people who say, I drink two a day, one at noon and one in the afternoon. I'm going to give up those during the 21 days. Every time I think about a soda, I'm going to put a buck in this uh, jar over here. And at the end of the 21 days, whatever's in there, I'm going to give away to a charitable cause. I'm not going to keep it, because then I would benefit from the fast. I don't want to benefit. I want your kingdom to be done in my life. That's the Lord's prayer your will be done. Your kingdom come. So if I'm going to benefit from that, then I'm going to give it away. And, and some of you say, well, every time I do a drive through at, at a coffee connoisseur coffee house, it's five bucks. Then, then the two, three times a week that you would normally go through, you drop five bucks in the glove box of your car at the end of the month, clean that out, and give it to a charitable cause. Or, or give it to... Um, our orphan care ministry in Guatemala or a mission agency or uh, above and beyond here at church or some other agency. It's okay. Give to it something that matters for the kingdom, okay? Something that matters, and Jesus is involved, okay? And uh, for others of us, here, here let me tell you, here, I'm gonna go from preaching to meddling right now. By the way, this is a very dark sermon. This is a very tough sermon for me to preach, so just hang on, don't get up and run out screaming with scissors over your head. Here we go. Some of you need to go on a fast and it's a media fast. Some of you need to stop listening to news. You don't need that much news traffic and weather. You don't need it every 10 minutes on the 8s. You don't need that much. Nobody in the rest of the US gets as much dumpster unloaded on us as this region does, okay? So, uh, and I don't unplug the radio, uh, t- take the dash apart, do what you need to do to keep that from happening. Play some CDs, some Christian music, listen to Christian radio, listen to devotionals, do what you need to do, but make the fast meaningful. Others of you just go, no more evening news. I can, do, I can go 21 days without evening news. I'd probably be a happier person, more pleasant to be around, not, not as furrowed brow, lower blood pressure, just 21 days of, of no evening news. Or play the evening news, but turn the volume off and just make up silly stories, you know? Just kind of make fun of the news. It'll be what it is anyway. Um, some of you just need to replace it with something that matters for eternity. Not forever, but for 21 days. Now, so that's the 5-3-1 challenge. Five minutes every day to create the habit. Some of you say, I don't know what to pray. I'm gonna give you at the end of the message, I'm gonna give you the five minutes. I'm gonna fill it in for you It's a, a four-step plan. I, you're gonna love it. It's not original with me. People have been doing it for years. I go back to it every few years Just because I get bent towards praying one way, and this actually uh, retargets me in prayer. So five minutes every day, you're gonna set, maybe this week, you're gonna say, okay, every day when I'm driving into work or every day as I get on the bus or every day as I do whatever it is I do, then this is my, the first five minutes is gonna be this prayer. And then three days, you're just gonna pray. You're gonna set a watch to pray every hour and the 12 hours you're up or the 16 hours you're up, you're gonna have 16 one-sentence prayers, and you don't even know what those will be until you're in the moment, and the ding, ding. oh my gosh, oh, I'm feeling anxious, Lord, would you call my anxious heart, just to practice, the, I know you're here, I know you're Lord overall, so help me with this, okay, that's the second one, the third one is the fast, okay, so why don't we pray, why don't we pray, great question, back up to chapter four, verse one, what causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from the desires of battle within you? You desire to, but you do not have. So you kill. My gosh, this is dastardly. You covet, but you, do not, you, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Get that? You do not have why? Because you do not ask God. You do not pray. So what do you do? You don't get your way, so you kill for it. If not people, you kill relationships. You kill opportunities, and you quarrel and you fight and you wrestle and you manipulate. That's what you do. James is saying. I told you this is going to get tough, but just hang on because you're going to love this at the end. When you ask, you do not receive. Verse three, because you do you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So you're asking favor of God so you can for yourself. It's not about God's kingdom, it's about you. That's idolatry, keep, keep reading. Verse four, you adulterous people. This is getting rich, thick, isn't it? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he as jealously longs the spirit that he caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Get that, he opposes the proud. Do you want to be in opposition to God? Then knock off the pride, see. He actually gives grace. He'll actually extend favor. He'll back off if you're humble. So submit yourselves, verse seven. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, O your sinners, and purify your hearts. O you double-minded, you do not have, verse 2, the end of verse 2, because you do not ask God. You don't go to God because you know what the response is going to be, and you don't want to hear it. That's selfishness. How many of you, uh, how many of you once were children? <laughs> okay. I would have expected more, but that's okay. How many of you knew when you were maybe 8 years old that... Um, I have a favor, I want to do something, I want to go place, I want to do something. There's a fair chance dad's not going to let me, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go ask mom. I'm going to go for the, the weaker link, if it were. How many, of you knew, how many of you knew how to do that? Oh, yeah, lots of hands. Yeah. How many of you didn't learn that until you were like 12? How many of you are just now figuring that out as adults? Yes. Okay, you kind of understand where this is going? You, you know what the answer will be. So if, if mom is a definite no, then I'll go to dad, and dad will give me a, a, and I'll think about it. Right? That's all the crack in the armor I need. Then I go back to mom. This is called work in the field, right? This is where sales comes in. Oh, You know, you wouldn't mind. It, but, and dad, dad didn't really care. He, he was kind of up in the air about it. Misrepresentation, kind of a, a lie, but not, not a dastardly lie, just kind of a, a lie of omission. And then she says, your father said it was okay? What? I just heard it out of your lips right there. You said uh, your dad okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. <laughs> then I go back to that. mom said if it was okay with you, she said it was okay with her, right? Why do, why do children do this? Because they're not going to get the answer they want, they go to the other parent. Now, why do you not go to God? Because you're going to get the answer you don't want. Right? Yeah. So you, you, you know, after church, you, um, you bring your kid down front and you say, hey, I need you to pray for my kid. He's in a soccer camp and we need him to crush the Spartans from across town. Pray that he wins. Okay, I could do that, but there's probably some kid on the other side of town, he's asking his pastor to pray for him too. We'll see which which prayer gets to heaven first. I don't know. Well, if if your kid wins, that means that, you know, some other kid loses. Okay? Right? But oh yeah, but we don't care about that other kid. We care about my kid. And I care about because if he wins and he got scholars scholarship to camp which means then he builds his resume which gets him scholarship to college which saves me like a hundred grand and what are you going to do with that well i'm going to be rich okay so we're just praying that you get rich that's basically what we're doing right here yeah sort of i never thought of it like that well maybe we should pray that your son would show up to practice and work his hardest and that he would be honest and that he'd be a guy of integrity on the team No, no, I just want you to pray that he wins. Yeah, I just really want him to win. Okay, we can do that. You understand the conflictedness of that? We pray selfishly. Selfishly. We do not ask because we know God's answer already. Here are the four in the outline. Chapter 4, verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you could spend it on your own pleasures. That's idolatry, that's pride, that's bad motives. When you pray to only get what you want, it's like someone saying, hey, pray for me that I get the new job. Okay, and then what happens? Well, then I'm gonna make more money. And you're gonna spend that money on yourself? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, why would I pray that you become more self-indulgent? Or why would I pray that you get the new job that takes you away from family so you have less influence you make more money, but you ruin your family in the midst? I, I'm not going to pray that. That's bad motives. You understand this conflictedness? And you know what? You could go to God and say, you know, God, there's a job opportunity in front of me, and I don't know if I want it or not. That's an honest prayer. And that's okay. And you used to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm okay. I get the new job. I don't. Because you would know what's out there in front of me. Okay. This issue of idolatry, I have to be first or it's all about me, that's what gets us in trouble. Secondly, it's holding on to sin, friendship with the world. It's Verse 4, you adulterous people, you don't know, you don't get it, James says. You're trying to be friends with God and friends with culture and society and everything that would drive us sideways. It is enmity with God. No one... No one can choose to be a friend of God's and then a friend of the world at the same time. You can't do it. You can't flirt with both sides in the warfare. It can't be done. And here's the deal. uh, And I say this to Christians. If we pray and then we're committed in our prayers, then we'll end up having to be committed in our life. And we're not sure we like to be committed in our life. I don't want to have to give up stuff. That's the whole idea of a fast. So when we spend time with God, what he does is he begins to show us the glaring pieces to our own character, our own errors in life, our own gaps in faith, our own disobedience, our lack of discipline. And we don't want those. We just want the answer. And what does God want this whole time? He doesn't want the answer. You know what he wants? He wants relationship with you. He wants you to talk with them and to listen to them. And if you're conflicted, he wants to hear it. He wants to hear your heart. And he wants to mold that heart massage it and then you're okay and then you're not nearly what ernest read not nearly so anxious because you could talk with god philippians chapter 4. so there's this idolatry issue there's holding on to sin issue thirdly there's this jealousy there's a whole lack of contentment do you think the scripture verse 5 is without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he causes to indwell us he's saying you, you you think that god doesn't know what he's doing you you are jealous for something you want but it's not healthy for you to have that's why he says i'll give you grace but if you oppose me I, i i can humble you quickly we don't turn to god because it's humbling we don't want to hear what he has to say I was doing a funeral uh, a long time ago, and it was for a drug overdose. Young man get, got high on drugs in high school, continued that lifestyle. All of his friends were addicts, and uh, he lost his, uh, he'd lost his father previously and then lost contact with his mother. When they found him dead, they were able to go find the mother. The mother said, I want him to bury him, so the funeral home called me and said could you do the funeral i said sure if i could preach the the bible and this is what i do i preach john 3:16 and john 14 i go to prepare a place for you in heaven if you'll, you, heaven's a prepared place for a prepared people you need to trust jesus that's why i tell them and, and and so if i can do that i'll, I'll do the funeral because this is basically a, a destitute homeless guy that's, and all of his friends are destitute that's what's going to be in the audience well i'm friends with the funeral director he and our buddies and and he says, well, it's going to be a dicey funeral. Like, he needed to tell me that. You know, like, yeah, I know it's going to be dicey. No, i really dicey. Okay, well, all right. So um, so th- I, I asked him, any changes in the funeral? And he, I could tell he was covering something, but he didn't want to tell me because he knew I would disapprove. So he just didn't tell me. It's a, that's okay, because I've done that with him many times. I just withhold information. <laughs> oh, yeah, I meant to tell you. <laughs> and then... And then, uh, so I, I preach my little gospel message, and and uh, I pray for comfort for this mom who's grieving, because this guy's in his mid-20s, and he's gone. And the room is full of addicts. Just by looking at the crowd, you just can tell. His, uh, the facial features of addiction. And <clears throat> so then Matt gets up, and he says, uh, before we go, the family, and he can feel, I'm standing off to the side, like right over there, and I can feel the heat off of Matt's face. He's like... I don't want to do this and I really don't want to look over there because Dave's over there. And uh, so he says the family has requested this so if you will remain seated. Uh, the family's requested this one song and it was a song written by a guy who overdosed and died played it live and was known for this and it was a big album song like a nine minute long song. The song went on for eternity. And, uh, and it was all about psychedelic feelings after being on drugs. So it was a kind of an exaltation of drug addiction and drug life. And that's why he knew I would go, no, you're not doing that. Uh, so he, he, he let me do my thing, and then when he was trying to honor the family, he, he was like, I could look anywhere but Dave, because Dave's gonna be going, you're an idiot, don't do this. Because you know what? The audience didn't want to hear what I had to say, even though I gave it to them. They didn't want to hear it. What they wanted to hear was, doing drugs is cool, even if I'm gonna die. It's cool. And so they did what they wanted to do. Do you know why? Because they didn't want to hear it. Do you get that? And when I go into that kind of a setting, and I'm so grateful for a church that prays for me because I go into settings like that, it is war, folks. It is war. I was at another one. I don't mean to drag you down too far, but I was at another one where a guy got high. After getting high, he went out in the barn and hung himself and died as he was high. They did the toxology reports. He was, he was stoned, on drugs and alcohol. The mo- mother of the children, they weren't really husband and wife, but they had two little children and she, at the end of the funeral, I did my whole gospel thing and Jesus loves you and I tried to be as pastoral as I could be and then she walks up and she says, touch your daddy on the face. Well, they've got a turtleneck on him because he's so torn up in the body and they've turned it's just bad. And and the kids don't want to touch. She's going, touch him, touch him. And I got down on her knee. I was so infuriated. I got down on her knee and I said, you know what? Because you know what? She's basically saying to these kids, this is your life. That's what she's saying to them. This is your life. I got down on her knee and I said, you know what? This is not your life. You finish high school. I'd already given them Jesus. I said, you finish high school. And then when you're done with high school you go find trade school you find a job find a passion you could live for something you really enjoy doing and whatever that is that god's designed in you you do that and um then they closed the casket. i was so angry because they did not want to hear it kind of the lighter side of this after i got done with that funeral i was in a suit black suit white shirt tie the whole bit wingtips um I couldn't stand. I couldn't go back to the office. I couldn't go home. I was so mad. I went running down a bike path, about five miles, in a suit. I looked like, you know, secret service chasing a squirrel or something. <laughs> anyway, I ran till I couldn't run anymore. I loosened my tie. I was all sweaty. I walked back. In, I walked back after I, I ran till I was so anger was gone, and then I turned back and went, "Oh good grief! I should have stopped running before I was exhausted." so I could get back to my car. So then I, I staggered back to my car. I went back into the office, I'm, I, my hair is everywhere, I'm sweaty, I'm beat red, because I'm overheated, because I'm in a suit. And I just ran down a trail with, in wingtips. And uh, my secretary looks at me like, where have you been? I was like, shut up, just go away. It not the nicest thing I ever said to a secretary. But it was so angering, do you know why? Because they didn't want to hear it. They did not want to hear it. This will get played. Since we're moving from sermon to meddling, I'll just read it here. You are the crowd between Christmas and New Year's, so you are the dedicated warriors. You can handle this. Some of the others couldn't, but anyway. Here's a song that's oftentimes played at funerals. And now the end is near, and so I'll face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, for which I'm certain. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do, saw it through without exemption. By the way, if you have regrets, but too few to mention, that means you can't own up to your stuff. If you can't own up to your stuff, if you have nothing to confess before God, you, you aren't, it's not that you aren't saved, you aren't lost yet, because you don't, you don't know that you're lost. You are lost, you just don't know it. I planned and charted each course, each careful step along the way, and more than this, much more than this, I did it my way. So what? For what is a man? Get this, this is the last, end, the end of the song. What he has got, if not himself, then he is not. So the biggest thing that you need is yourself? No, I need more than myself. To say the things that he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels? Okay, that's getting scary the record shows I took the blows and did it my way. That's the song that's played at funerals, and if it's on your phone, just go ahead and delete it now. (laughs) Act like you're taking notes, and if it's on your ringer, pray that it doesn't go off. You see, you, you don't need to do life your way you need to see what god would have for you which is more than you could immeasurably more than you could even ask or think you think this is the path of happiness but no the lord says no just a little tilt this way if you would just humble yourself and listen but that lack of contentment spirit the jealousy will kill you every time and stop the prayer in its tracks number four being self-sufficient. We want to make it on our own. So he says, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God. Get that. It's the nearness of God. And Wash your hands. In other words, it's it, the idea is confess those sins. Purify your hearts. Why? Because I'm double-minded. I, I want to follow God, but I want to follow these other things. We have a kind of a spiritual ADHD. You know, it's I want to follow God but then you see a squirrel you know it just oh right you know what you know the feeling and so we we pray even in our prayers we'll ask God to answer our prayers but then as we're praying the prayer we tell God what the answer ought to be as if we're making a sales pitch to God God this is what I need and this is how it could work it's like we're making a sales pitch and he will go oh yeah I like it let's buy in All the while, God is saying, if you would just humble yourself before me and come near to me, I'll take you on a ride you could never imagine. It would be so much better. And all along, not only does God want to answer the prayers, but even more, he wants relationship. He wants you to honor him. So I'm trying to figure out, how can I get you to talk with God and listen to God every day? And I know this, if I said to you, I want you to pray every day this month for an hour. I give up, I have nothing to say. I'm out of stuff to say. You couldn't do it. So I'm gonna ask you to pray every day for five minutes. And I'm gonna give you a model. It's a four point model that it's not original to me and lots of people have used it before, but it really works well. It's called the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. A is the adoration point. C is confession. T is thanksgiving and S is supplication. Okay? Now, adoration is when we stand and we praise the Lord because he is the God from everlasting to everlasting. Nehemiah chapter 9. We bless his glorious name. We value God for who he is, for his creation, sustaining the world, that he's trustworthy, that he's loving, but he's he's also just. Not only is he just, he's also merciful. It's hard for us to get our heads around all that, but we're grateful for it all. He is always present. Romans chapter eight says that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, my prayer when I adore the Lord, and you can only pray this for about a minute, no more than two, because you're only gonna be praying for five, okay? It's a four-point prayer, so you're gonna get one of these, maybe two minutes, but for the most part, one minute. When you go to pray, you're gonna pray, dear God, in light of Romans eight, uh, you're a loving God who's totally committed to my best, so I praise you. I praise you that you are powerful in your love. And wherever I go, you're there. Okay? You just adore God. That's how you start the prayer. Then secondly, confession. It's owning up to our sin. Because if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, First John verses 8, 9, and 10, in First John 8, 9, 1, 8, 9, and 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, he will forgive us and he'll cleanse us. He actually cleans us out in the areas we're not even aware of yet. Areas like pride and attitudes and judgment and, and, and uh, misuse of our speech, of flippancy, of, of selfishness. And Romans 12 really settles this. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. So our prayer is, God, change my mind. Renew my mind so I think like you do. So I own up to my own sin, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask quickly, and I know you'll forgive me. So then I ask quickly, and I want to move on. And I I pray for productive paths into the future. So outside influences don't have sway over me. You do. So adoration, confession, and then I move to thanksgiving. It's acknowledging God for who he is, what he's done. So we give thanks to the Lord for he is good, Psalm 136. His love endures forever. We give thanks to the God of gods, why? Because his love endures forever. We always give thanks in everything is God's will. First Thessalonians five. So we thank God for his provision. We thank God for a job. We thank God for transportation to that job. We thank God for health and relationships. And we thank God that we didn't get the promotion, which gave me more time to do what maybe you have in mind for me. It's bigger influence for the kingdom. And, and maybe it's, it's a, a health issue, but we thank God for the place in life where we find ourselves. And Hebrews chapter 13, through Jesus, therefore, let's continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It's the fruit of our lips openly professing his name. and We don't forget to, to share. So we, we just know every good gift comes from above, comes from the Lord. So our prayer is to thank God for Jesus and to always value the sacrificial life that Jesus is. And then when, when we're done saying thanks, so you're gonna adore the Lord for a moment, maybe a minute, no more than two. You're gonna confess your sins, right? Uh, this is where I, I see myself glaringly wrong. But then I give thanks, and as I give thanks, that gives perspective to supplication. That gives perspective to the things I need because I see that God really is provider. He really does accept me even when I blow it. So I have a lot I'm already grateful for. So when I go to say, uh, when I go to say what I need, those things are relatively small. Let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence, receive mercy. Because he's the God who's there in our time of need, Hebrews 4, verse 16. And I see the need isn't just for stuff, it is for personal growth and character development. And it is, it is for the spirit's indwelling. And I have daily needs, I have responsibilities, I have, I have, I have time management issues, I have, I have needs. I, I want to do this, Lord, it's all good stuff, but I pray your will to be done. <clears throat> And so when you pray that, you pray, the Lord, uh, keep me from an anxious heart, so I don't, I'm not anxious about anything Philippians 4, and provide for my needs, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart. <clears throat> I, I, have, um, I have, Wanda would tell you this, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of friends. I have friends everywhere. I meet friends all the time. She, we could be out of state at a Walmart Two states away, I'll find people I know. She'd say, "How do you do it?" I, I don't know how I do it. I, I, uh, we were just shopping after Christmas. Some guy needed something in the store. I said, oh, "I know it's not in this store." I couldn't tell him that it's not in this store. down, it's in the next store down. And he said, "Thank you, Pastor." I didn't know he attended here. I didn't. I to say, "How do you know these people?" I don't know. I just. Didn't, but anyway, I have people who are far, far away, but they aren't really friends. I'm friends with them, but they're not friends with me. How many of you know you're more friend to them than they are to you? How many of you have friends like that? Yeah, okay. I have friends who only call me when they need something from me. Oh, Huffman had a good illustration, and this was really, this is really great. I got to find out where I came from. I haven't talked to a guy for two years. He'll call me, hey, I need, I go, how are you doing? I need, and he just tell me what they need. And I go, well, I'll give it to you. Let me look it up. And I I give them something, or I give them a book, or a footnote, or some source. And they'll go, okay, great. See ya. And you hang up. I go, but I I just, I thought you were, you just, okay, never mind. We'll talk more about us later. You know what we call that? We we call it a vending machine relationship. They just walk up, drop a couple coins, hit a couple buttons, grab and go. Right? Now, Here's the deal. When I have ongoing conversations with friends all the time, they could call me at any time of the day and say, hey, I need this because we already have this ongoing talk happening. That's a normal part of relationship. But if your relationship with God is only vending machine, that's not a very good place to be in the relationship. When you walk in and you say, oh dear, God fix my kid. Goodbye. And you walk out. Not a good place to be. Because maybe what God wants is for you to grow up, and maybe he wants to do a work in your life that will then influence your kid to the glory of God. Not for your own good, but for the glory of God. And the way that will happen is by first beginning, five minutes every day, adoring the Lord for who he is. You're a good God, faithful in all your ways. I blow it all the time. Help me, God but I have a lot I'm grateful for, Thanksgiving. And in light of what I have in front of me and I'm so thankful for, my requests are few, but they are there. So I have some supplications, some things to say, Lord, I need your help. And you know what, if you'll do that, you'll build the habit of talking and listening to God, and that means on day 22, you'll have a better relationship with the God in heaven, who not only created you, but recreated you in Christ. Let's go to prayer now. And we're gonna pray the Acts prayer. Just where you're seated, just tell the Lord, God of heaven, I, I just appreciate your God. You're a creator. You're a sovereign. You're independent of any outside influence. You're holy. And yet, you're kind, and we don't get all that. Can't get our heads around it, but that's okay. And then tell them, you know that you have blown it, and maybe you're going to name it. This is where I blow it, God. Help me. Own up to it. But, Lord, I have a lot to be thankful for, too. And maybe there's two or three things you'd say, is what I'm really sensing I'm grateful for today. And in light of that, Lord, I do have requests. So keep me from an anxious heart that would think that you don't hear or know or care because I know you want to provide for my needs. Not my wants, but my needs. And maybe my greatest need is to know the peace That would come from you that would guard my heart. And if I had that, Lord, these other things would find proper place. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that we get to talk with you. It's a wonderful thing to be able to walk in, it really is a throne of grace. And uh, for us to have access is a wonderful thing. And um, I pray you'd bless these dear people to have great relationship with you. Um, as we talk and listen, as we set aside reminders, and Lord, as we are know our desperate state, that we don't dare do life alone without you. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.